Hello, my name is Mike, and it's the morning of the 22nd of December, the last match day before Christmas, and I'm on my way to the Olympic Stadium to see Watford take on West Ham. This will be a little diary of the day, just to give you a flavour for those of you that couldn't couldn't make it into London today, uh, and also be catching up with some uh, fellow supporters, hopefully, and get their views on the the Ballon d'Or, the annual award that we dish out here at, from the uh, from the Rookery End to find out who or who's your player of the season for Watford. Arlo, you're with me today. Who's your player of the season so far? Mm, Isaac Success. Isaac Success, nice one, Isaac. Welcome to From the Rookery End. So, made it the London Olympic Stadium, home of West Ham. And I have to say, it does feel a little bit more like home for West Ham now. The last time I came was for the, uh, the 4-2 win for Watford under Walter Matsari, that memorable game. Uh, also memorable for uh, off the field, the West Ham fans not being particularly happy with uh, the, the club, the ground or each other. Not scraps in the, in the stands and all that sort of stuff. But it does feel a lot more settled this time around. Um, and I wonder whether that's... Uh, Helping West Ham obviously on a, on a decent run of form. Four, four wins in a row, massive test for Watford today. But yeah, lovely day for it, last game before Christmas, so everyone's sort of got a smile on their, face, uh, on their faces. Let's hope it's the, uh, the travelling Hornets who head away with the bigger smiles when this one's done and dusted. Uh, I'm just going to get a little pint, I think, seeing as it's uh, quite a nice day and not too cold, so I'm going to have a pint uh, and then I'll get in there. Come on, you Hornets, about an hour to go. Teams out here at the Olympic Stadium, about two minutes to kick off. No Domingos Pina, which is a big talking point, I think, amongst Watford supporters. I think uh, a lot of us, me included, would have liked to have seen him given the opportunity to prove a point to West Ham this afternoon. But there you go, Javi's made his choice. Let's see what we can do this afternoon. Come on, you on it. Come on, you Goldens. Just 29 minutes gone here at the Olympic Stadium, and Watford have a penalty. After a long delay, Troy about to uh, step up and take it. So at the opposite end of the ground, West Ham have done everything they can do to delay the taking of this uh, uh, this penalty. And Watford have deserved it. To be fair, they've had the um, lion's share, if you like, in the um, of the possession in the dangerous uh, dangerous zones of the, the pitch. Sorry if I'm sounding a bit uh, nonsensical. So I'm a bit nervous. But here we go. Rissell's gone. Troy steps up to take it. Watford, Troy Deeney with the penalty, absolutely emphatic from the spot, get in there, well deserved, a well deserved lead. (laughs) 30 minutes gone here at the Olympic Stadium, West Ham United nil, Watford won. So the half-time whistle has blown here at the uh, London Stadium, the Olympic Stadium, the former Upton Park, whatever you want to call it. The home of West Ham United, who currently trail 1-0 to Watford after an incredibly well-taken penalty from, uh, from Watford's captain, Troy Deeney. An absolute beaut of a penalty, never in doubt, top right-hand corner. Uh, yeah, and Watford deserved it, I think, but don't take my word for it. Enjoyed by um, Dave Levy and Tim. We're just going to get their take on it. Dave? How did you find that first half? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I thought Watford played pretty well. I thought uh, it was brave to put Kapu back in, but you kind of have to. But actually, he's been brilliant, and he's playing very, very deep. He's playing almost like, just in front of the centre-halves, and that's really good. He's broken up play. We look dangerous. Yeah, I think we've done really well. I've enjoyed it. Great penalty. Sensational penalty. Enjoyed that. Uh, and so, yeah, good first half. Need a second goal. 
Tim, do you think the watchword from perhaps the first 20, 25 minutes before the penalty would be have a shot, shoot? Oh my God, so much, so much. Like, sometimes Telephone and Bobby P, they started like playing for Arsenal back in the day. They just have a go, have a go. You can hear the whole crowd willing them to shoot. But like you can see Delafeo, he's making fantastic runs when we're when we're on the break. He's not been found yet, but all it takes is one of the right ball, and I think he's in. I think you know, he's looking good. And thoughts on so Dave mentioned there Kapu coming in for Queen uh, and not not keeping his place. Yeah. Right, right call. I'm not sure. Well, I think beforehand in the pub we were saying we hope he, he takes Semmer out and brings and you know keeps Queener in and brings brings Kapu in for uh, Semmer basically. But he's done all right, Semmer actually. He's strong. He holds up the ball well. He looks dangerous. But yeah. Bring on Queener then. It's, good, it's a good one to have on the bench. So it's the last last game before Christmas, as we know. So we're going to talk to... We, we award, as you know, the Ballon d'Orn, the Watford ah. player of the calendar year. Tim, Ben Foster made an incredible save towards the end there. In with the shout of uh, the Ballon d'Orn, do you think? Either Ben or Kapua, I think, definitely. Yeah. Ben's been absolutely incredible. And it just he feels like he's come home as well, which just gives that extra edge as a Watford fan. Yeah. Dave, your thoughts? It's going to be difficult to vote for Valon Barami again this year, isn't it? <laughs> but uh, as I, I'll try to. No, I think Foster's been great. And as Tim said, emotionally it feels good. Kapu's been outstanding. Dekore, though, is still, I think, a class above some of the rest of the players. And I think he'll probably, he'll probably win it because he's just been so good over the whole of the year. Um, it's pretty close, though. If we could play Foster and then 10 midfielders, I think we'd be top of the league. That'd be great. Um, but that says quite a lot about our squad. So, yeah, no, it's been a lot of fun. I would probably vote for Decore. So, Decore and Foster. Boys. Boys, so we've got a uh, early rerun of uh, Dillian White against Chisora here with two young lads we're with, but uh, obviously getting a little bit overexcited. So, Tim, Dave, we've, we're just about to go out for the second half. What do what do Watford need to do to see this game through? Because I think I think Watford have been stronger all over the pitch. I think I tried to articulate this before the penalty and struggled because I was ever so slightly nervous. But I think Watford have had the better better ball in the more dangerous areas. Haven't quite haven't quite used it. West Ham look rattled. They're moaning to the ref. The crowd are going berserk. That that they wall are only going back 9.5 at the free kick. It feels like we've got him on the rack a little bit. How do we get this one over the line? That was hilarious. Two things. One, the wait before the penalty was awful because it took so long. But the second thing, when they moved the free kick, they were complaining about a free kick that the players weren't, our players weren't back far enough. And then the ref marked it out and it was actually our players were further back than 10 yards. That was hilarious. I think we need to score again. We need to score on the break. I think we need to get Delefeo and Perea crossing over and their movement can be great. I think we need to be physically strong because you know that there'll be a bit of an onslaught. But you need to get a Zabaleta. There's so much space behind Zabaleta and he's really, really slow. So that would be key for me. Tim, anything to add or is that, is that the message done? That was, yeah, that's message done. Attack Zabaleta. He's not a Premier League player anymore. There's so much space behind him. Delefeo or Pereira on him, definitely. Cheers for joining us, lads. Enjoy the second half. Cheers, mate. So we've hit the 70-minute mark here at the Olympic Stadium, and it's still West Ham nil, Watford one. Watford struggling a little bit. Um, can't really, haven't really had the uh, the ball in the decent areas that they did in the first half. Uh, West Ham have hit the post, and yeah, it's been a it's been a tricksy, fractious affair in the uh, in the second half. But uh, Watford have done better. To, to, I have to say, Watford have done better. You heard it from Arno there. 72 minutes to go. 72 minutes gone. And a West Ham break. There's a chance here. Screwed wide. Corner ball. 
72 minutes gone, it's West Ham United nil, Watford won, Watford hanging on by the skin of their teeth. Come on you Goldens. It's 75 minutes gone here in uh, here at the Olympic Stadium and Ken Sam has just been brought off for uh, Tom Cleverley. I tell you, Tem, uh, Ken Sam has had a pretty tricksy time down this right-hand flank. He's obviously uh, not in the right position and he's, uh, he's found it difficult and the only surprise perhaps is that it's taken this long for the... Uh, the change to come but cleverly's come on great to see him back on the pitch uh, and obviously the idea will be for him to do a bit of uh, water carrying in the uh, in the center of the park there and it's uh, yeah 75 minutes gone still west ham nil watford won still doing better watford still doing better cheers Arles. a podcast made by watford fans for watford fans from the rookery end and that was the point where Mike's battery ran out. Uh, so he wasn't able to record anything else uh, in the afternoon. Uh, but himself is here. And it's now Christmas Eve. So Merry Christmas, Michael. Thank you very much, John. I've recovered and so has my phone battery, I'm, uh, I'm pleased <laughs> to say. Uh, we're also joined by uh, Kieran Hollywood, uh, who was also at the game. Hello, mate. Merry Christmas to all. It is a Merry Christmas, isn't it? Cause, because we know the game ended... 2-0. We'll get on to the second goal in a minute. But Kieran, uh, how was it your trip to the uh, to the Olympic Stadium? I think it's the third or fourth time I've been to the Olympic Stadium. I've seen two sessions of athletics there. I was very lucky to get tickets for the Olympics. Saw Mo Farah win gold medal. Saw Usain Bolt win the 4x1 back in 2012. So very, very fond memories. And the last visit before this weekend was the 4-2 win that we had a couple of years ago. But this was the first time that I've sat in the upper tier for a match and, and the way that I described it to you guys before coming on to recording is I felt a little bit like those England fans that sat up on the hill for the England-Croatia game that was closed to supporters because <laughs> you almost feel like the, the lower tier are the people that are meant to be there and then those in the upper tier are those that have kind of snuck in and are kind of getting a vantage point because they haven't got a ticket because you are that far away from the pitch. It's for me not a pleasant experience going to the London Stadium to actually watch the match, but the most pleasant thing, of course, was the result and, and the performance as well. I thought over the 90 minutes we were brilliant. Never mind the upper tier, it was the West Ham fans shedding a tear that I enjoyed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that, that, that joke come out of uh, Christmas Cracker there, Mike? Um, uh, I've been saving it for a couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mike, that second goal um, w- yeah. was Jerry at his best uh, with his, his buddy Bobby at his best as well, wasn't it? It kind of summed up summed up the game and Watford's performance I think John that actually because whilst those of you that, that weren't there and have seen the highlights will have seen those two good chances for West Ham Antonio hitting the post and the bar take those out of it and Watford played far and away the much better football they had the ball in dangerous areas far more they looked more composed they looked more threatening they looked more skillful. Um, they just look more at home. They look more, much more the Premier League football team, and that you know that goal I think summed up their performance quite nicely. Um, but it was it was just absolute poetry, wasn't it? The the ball in was it was sort of kind of a long ball from from midfield, wasn't it? But Watford were first to react to that that the headed clearance, and straight away they knew what they wanted to do. They clicked into motion. Bobby and uh, Bobby and Jerry, the Bobby and Jerry show was um, in full motion. The Christmas special, um, <laughs> and it was it was just poetry, wasn't? It? and no no more than we deserved and a real nice reminder as to what this team 
is capable of. You know, I've been a bit critical on on Twitter and and, and on the podcast before of of Delafeu perhaps not want knowing exactly what he wants to do when he gets the ball in dangerous areas. Well, he proved me wrong in that occasion, didn't he? He did lovely one two, one thing in his mind, slotting it past the keeper, and and he did so with a plum. And um, love watching it back on match of the day. The absolute limbs in the away end was absolutely <sighs> hilarious. Just everyone running forward, but. It's just a reminder to us as as Watford supporters that we've got this talent in the in the side, and I think I was guilty after the Everton game. Those of you that follow me on Twitter also would have would have seen I was a bit sort of hasty, saying, "Well, you know, we're we're, we're throwing points away. We're not getting points where we where we should be getting them." At the final whistle after West Ham, we were sixth in the Premier League until Man United won and went ahead of us. Um, so you know, I'd, I'd probably look back and th- a bit regretful about how how critical I've been of this of this side because uh, it's been a great sort of first half of the season, hasn't it? When you when you look at it now, <clears throat> yeah, okay, fair enough. It's it's Christmas Eve. We're all feeling jolly and happy and content with life, um, but trying to be dispassionate about it and have a, a scientific look at it, it has been a, um, a a great a great great first part of the season. Brought into sharper focus by by yesterday's result, you know Tottenham getting absolutely hammered by uh, Everton getting hammered by by Tottenham, who of course we we beat. So yeah, you asked me about that goal. Um, it was beautiful, and I kind of think it sums up uh, the start of our season. Lots of promise, um, enough end product for it to be um, satisfactory, um, but lots of hope for for what's to, what's to come in the new year as well. Yeah, you say the word uh, the, the end product is satisfactory. Um, I think that'd be the sort of theme of our uh, possible theme of uh, our uh, chats when we we start looking at the transfer window come January. Uh, but let, let's let's focus on the game. Do you think, Kieran, that uh, Harry's tactics were what won us the game, or was it purely just our luck that we scored a couple and put some away, and and West Ham just just couldn't? No, definitely down to to Javi. I think he deserves a lot of credit. It would have been very easy for him to have stuck with the midfield partnership of Decore and Quina. Uh, you know, the, the the young Portuguese lad had done really well in the in the previous games that he played. And I think a lot of us were maybe a little bit disappointed to see that he hadn't kept his place. Probably would have felt he had a point to prove against his former employers. And I'm sure he would have liked personally to have gone out there and put on a performance and showed them, you know, this is what you've missed out on. But, you know, Etienne Capu coming back in, we saw how important he's been over the course of the early parts of the season and and over the last few games thankfully Quina has stepped in and maybe we haven't missed him as much as we might have done but he was excellent I thought he was sloppy to start with there was an incident near the start of the game where he decided to dribble the ball along the edge of the box lost it and you kind of think oh god this isn't going to be one of those games is it but he bossed that midfield alongside Abdelou Decore and you know you look at Players like Mark Noble and Declan Rice, Declan Rice in particular, getting a lot of attention at the moment over the whole, is he going to play for Ireland? Is he going to play for England? But he's a player in demand. And he's a player in demand because he's done very well for West Ham. Mark Noble, you know what you're going to get. They had Felipe Anderson and, and, and Robert Snodgrass in midfield with them. And I don't remember those players being hugely influential. I actually think we contain them really, really well. And I think that's down to, to Javi Graffier. Put a physical centre midfield partnership. Queener is a ball player, but he's not got the physicality of Kapu. And I think those two absolutely bossed Noble and Rice. They couldn't get into the game. And as the game wore on, those two were more and more influential, maybe more so off the ball than on it. 
I think to say we contained them is doing them a, a disservice, um, Hollywood. I think we, we dominated and all over the park, actually. I thought Decore, that was one of the best games I've seen him have uh, for a while. He was in, he was just aggressive and... Uh, aggressive is probably the wrong word, but he was strong. And straight away, you could sense that West Ham didn't fancy it. And those of the, those of the, us that were there were, were laughing at how incensed they were getting that you know their big bone of contention about the game was how far Watford were retreating for the for the ten yards, and they're saying, "Oh, they're only you know nine yards back or whatever," and they were getting the the, the ref to to pace it out again, and it turned out that Watford were actually standing further away than they they should have been, so they ended up going half a pace closer. But that was the sort of thing that they were getting irked about. The crowd was picking up on those little things. The West Ham players were were picking up on those. They were they were going down easily, looking for fouls when when there weren't any. And I think that's the side of sign of a side who's struggling, who knows. They need to break play up, somehow get a foothold in the game. Because from a footballing point of view, they were absolutely dominated. I think Ken Ken Semmer um, struggled a little bit because it... uh, because of the, the side he was playing on and he was trying to get onto his onto his preferred foot. But even even Ken struggling really put himself about and made it difficult for, for West Ham to, to get into the game at all. And yes, they had those two chances. Um but you need it you know if you're gonna if you're gonna win a game in the Premier League, certainly away from home, you need a little bit of luck. We created great chances as well. But what I thought we absolutely stomped all over West Ham, not in a literal sense, but we owned that game we bossed it you think when you get to the big vast open expanses of the, of the Olympic Stadium you think right this is a this is a big opportunity for players how are they going to react to a noisy crowd because you know if, if West Ham get going before Christmas it's going to be a raucous atmosphere but they just stamped their authority on it from from the get-go and West Ham looked tiny in comparison to us we grew into the game they shrunk and that was what I loved about it the most that they just Watford put their mark on it from 1 through to 11 or 1 through to 63 whatever the squad number is (laughs) is now but all those guys I thought put in an incredibly big shift and none of those none of their West Ham counterparts fancied the fight at all I thought it was an absolute a, a joy to watch from that that point of view and that's the thing, isn't it? Five minutes on match of the day doesn't actually give a fair reflection of how much we dominated that game. You look at the the highlights that both Sky and BBC put out and you see Antonio hit the bar, you see them hit the post, you see Foster making some good saves and, and they did have chances. But I think if you were to actually look at the game as a whole, we bossed it. We did absolutely boss it. You're absolutely right. And I think that that is down to Javi and his tactics. I agree with you on Ken Sem. I'm a little bit... Chill's trying to figure out Ken Semmer because he, when he runs with the ball and he actually you know, charges, because he's a big boy as well as being quick, he can actually cause problems. But yeah. the problem is that he's always looking to come in on his left foot. Every single time he gets down to the byline, he's looking to cut back inside, which the defenders very quickly cottoned onto and it made him mm-hmm. less effective. But you know, I think he'd be more beneficial down the left for us, but there's no way Roberto Pereira is losing his spot down there. So... Ken's going to have to figure out a way to, to mix it up a little bit more. But definitely dangerous running at players, but end product, he's still got a bit of work to do. Yeah, agreed. Let's, look, let's go forward with all this you know, a little bit. You know, that, that midfield, particularly with us knowing how great Queen is playing, the fact that Cleverly is back and probably ready for a start. I know we've got a bunch of games coming up. Kapu's you know, the man uh, who's really shining this year. Do you think, you know, Hollywood, that you know, Javi will look at this and will rotate them depending on the opposition or do you think he's the sort of man who's gonna you know that you know the fact that Kapu came back as soon as he was able to he was back in the squad is 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 Javi picking 
uh, a favourite 11 or do you think he's picking for the team that they're up against? I think for the first time this season, we're now seeing him pick his preferred 11. We saw a bit of chopping and changing at the start, didn't we? 4-4-2, 4-3-3, Deeney and Gray up front, then Deeney on his own. We've seen success up on his own, but I think he's now at that point where he looks at the 11 that he's putting out and he thinks, I don't care who the opposition is going to be. I think this 11 can do a job. And and I think over Christmas, with the games coming thick and fast, we may see a few changes here and there. It may be, I think he'll go with a very similar 11, if not the exact same against Chelsea. It may be that against Newcastle, who, you know, being weaker opposition, we're expected to win that one. It may be that he can bring a queener in or give Tom Cleverley some minutes and maybe start with Isaac Success instead of Troy Deeney. But I personally think now we are starting to see Xavi has finally figured out who his preferred 11 is. We've got Woking in the cup. I'm sure that he will give minutes to to Cleverley and Nathaniel Chalabar and, and hopefully some others, Ben Wilmot. But I, I genuinely think that the team that played against West Ham is probably the team that will line up against Chelsea. So Mike, is it more than hopeful against Chelsea or will you be satisfied on you know Boxing Day evening if we play like we play, but... You know, Hazard, a world-class player, is able to, to to make the difference between us and Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a difference between let's take West Ham for example and Chelsea. Eden Hazard has the chances that West Ham created, or they're going to end up in the, in the back of the net. And and more than that, there's just a, a moment of of brilliance or two can take the game away from you. That's that's the difference when you play teams like Chelsea, Manchester City, or or Liverpool. They've just got those players who can. Blink and you miss it, and the and the game's over. So we have to go in with our with our eyes open and keep them open and not blink, and then we won't anyway. But um, we have to we have to realise that we're going up against um, an elite Premier League side, if you like. But that said, as we've we've you know been very effusive about Watford, very positive about about the the, the depth of the squad and and the quality we've got. Chelsea are on a bad run. They won't fancy coming to Watford at all. Um, Boxing Day evening, it's a funny one, isn't it? I don't think I've ever been to a a game on Boxing Day at half past seven, so difficult to know what the the atmosphere is going to be like. I I guess a lot depends on on the weather. I think if it's absolutely hooning it down with rain... Um, some people might uh, choose to to finish off their their Christmas beer and cheese in the in the evening instead of um, do battle with the lack of public transport and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of unknowns going into this in terms of what the atmosphere is going to be like. Um, but we've seen over the festive period, haven't we, already that there's some strange results knocking around. Um, and Chelsea are certainly in a bad run of form, and I think if they had to pick where they wouldn't want to go um, on on Boxing Day evening outside of the top six, I think Watford would be pretty high on that list. So, if if is there a, if there's a good time to play Chelsea, this is this is probably it. Um, they'll be confident after West Ham and confident after after Cardiff. They'll look at the table and think this is a real good opportunity to to make a statement and and cement ourselves, if you like, in that in that seventh position. So. Anything could happen. Um, I've got no reason to expect that Watford couldn't couldn't sneak a win. What I want to do is is get a performance that's worthy of a win, if you like. Even if we don't get it over the line, we need to keep up the momentum. We've said all along that we haven't had too many bad performances, have we this this season? Um, and if we can keep that going, I think I think that's um, that's important because we we're now approaching the new year. That the, I keep going on about it, but if we we need to make sure that the second half of the season is as enjoyable and as productive as the first um, and if we can keep that momentum whether it's a good performance whether it's picking up points um, against one of the best teams in the country then then we're going to have a very very happy Christmas but 
I think Colin was right in the the podcast, the last podcast, when he got quite quite angry, didn't he? It's about sort of saying free hits against the the top six, and I kind of I kind of agree to to a degree. I think saying we have to take points off the top six is is probably pushing it a little bit far because. If we don't, then it's not the end of the world. But he's right. We, what we shouldn't we shouldn't limit ourselves to saying these games were a free hit. We're in good form. Chelsea are in poor form. We're at home, uh, under the lights. Christmas, anything could happen. We've got the talent. Let's go out there and, and do it. But I, for one, I'm going to enjoy it. And I'll go back to talking about being in the Premier League. This is where we want to be. The eyes of the, the footballing world will be on Vicarage Road, Boxing Day evening. Everyone will have their feet up, glass of something in their hand and the telly on. Not just in, in England, but across the world. Um, we'll be we'll be there with a the spring in our steps, sort of you know high on the high on festive life. Premier League, we we need these are the moments we need to drink in and not forget um, how important it is that we're there and how impressive it is that we're making such a such a good fist of it. So I'm going to really enjoy it and. Um, yeah, I might even have a couple of quid on Watford winning. Kieran, um, you know, we, we won this first game. I suppose I went into this thinking, hey, a draw would be nice and, and set my points tally across Christmas to be about five, maybe six, hopefully. How are you seeing then now? What, what do you want? Chelsea, Newcastle and then Bournemouth before we get into the FA Cup. What do you want from those three games? Do you know what? I, I'm, I'm with Mike in that I, I'm really enthusiastic about the games that we've got coming up and Mike mentioned there that Chelsea outside of the top six won't want to come to Watford no they won't because we're seventh we're the team that's outside we are the best of the rest at the moment as Andy Lewis said on his Twitter account the other day we are the team that is leading the chase you know we're the team that most people probably didn't expect to do very well yet we are the the top of what you would describe as that second tier of clubs behind those clubs that are far and away the big spenders have got the big players have got the global presence but we we are making a big statement this season so far and i look at those games and i think why not get six or six or seven points you know i don't look at chelsea as the team that they were maybe a few years ago i think they are beatable and we showed that last season and we are better than last season we beat them 4-1 and we are better than when we beat them 4-1 i know that they are probably you know, we caught them on an off day, much like we probably did with Tottenham earlier this season. But I look at that, and and if we don't get something from that Chelsea game, I will come away disappointed. I won't be, I won't be angry, but I'll be disappointed because I look at that game and I look at it as one that we can get points from. I look at Newcastle; we owe them one. Really disappointing to go to St James's Park and not get anything from there. They that ended a long, winless run for them, and I hated the fact that we were the team that that gave them those three points. And look. We know what happened with Bournemouth. We know that there's that little bit of a rivalry that exists because of our our history. I want to go down to Bournemouth and I want to stuff them like they stuffed us. So realistically, I look at, you know, I don't think six or seven points is completely out of the question. I think we can beat Chelsea. I think we can beat Newcastle. And I think we should ideally get something out of Bournemouth. But, you know, as I said, we're making a statement at the moment. We are on people's radars. After the West Ham win, when we went up to sixth, I had colleagues and friends in the United States a guy who I know who works for the Philadelphia Inquirer messaged me saying congratulations on the season that you're having you know we talked about what for not being on the radar in countries like the US we are on the radar we are making inroads and it's because of how we're playing and the results that we're getting so let's carry it on over Christmas I want six or seven points out of those three games thank you very much for listening uh, and thank you to Mike for your, your beginning your, your diary that you did uh, at the uh, <laughs> Olympic Stadium uh, we'll be back uh, maybe for a little mini podcast after the Chelsea game but definitely after the Newcastle game uh, all of us here from the weekend I uh, want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas thank you very much for all your support that you've given us this year um, in our run up especially to our award 
Uh, and I'd like to thank Mike, Kieran, Geordie, Colin, DCW and Jason uh, for their uh, contributions. We should be back with more great Watfordness. Surely the ne- next half of the season is going to be the same as the first. Surely, Mike. Ho, ho, ho. Come on, you Hornets. <laughs> <laughs>